Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan, and we're back, of course, for episode number 82. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we would like to let you know that we appreciate you for listening in today. So before we begin, the Truth of the Matters podcast says Merry Christmas, wherever you are. We hope that you were able to enjoy the holidays in whatever way possible. If you are in a tri-state area, we know that it is freezing. So we pray that you've been able to stay warm and safe. Now let's give a round of applause to all who have decided to listen in today. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So Merry Christmas, Daniel. Merry Christmas, Jonathan. How's the day been for you so far? It's been very laid back, very relaxing. Got to catch up on some sleep, had some good food. Um, recovered from the disappointing loss at the Vikings yesterday. Well, we know we're not going to turn this into an NFL podcast, but, you know, those type of losses, they hurt. They hurt. Yeah, we happen to agree with that. My team is also suffering a four-game losing streak. But that's life, and that's why it's important that you find other matters outside of sports. Because if I had the same mentality, you know, I would be frustrated and sad all the time. It, it would affect me with everything else that I do in life. So, got to learn Definitely when hear you, that. Yeah, got to learn when you can be a fan and then you got to turn it off and switch back to the real world and what's going on with you and how you making a difference and how you satisfy yourself outside of that. So, normally on a day, you know, like today, which is Christmas, the topic would be the celebration of Jesus Christ's birth. However, today I thought it would be appropriate to unpack the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes see how that kind of worked out from last week and actually we had a guest last week but the week before I sort of wanted to get started on this however I realized that there was much more to unpack in chapter 4 again in the Matthew series dealing with the book of Matthew so it actually falls that today we're going to be beginning the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew as we continue with the Gospel of Matthew series. So what better way to celebrate Jesus Christ than to look at a sermon and learn from it? So before we begin, let's pray first and foremost. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know that you are the reason for the season, and therefore we honor you. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we pray for the safety of all those in the tri-state area as well as those all around the world. As we go into your word today, Open up our eyes to see, our understanding as well as our heart to receive your words of wisdom and direction. Lord, teach us, educate us, humble us, elevate us, ground us. Lord, anytime two or three are gathered for the purpose of speaking with you, there you are, Lord. So allow your Holy Spirit to move in on us. Give us, give us a new heart, a new purpose for your kingdom, God. Let me repeat that, Lord. Give us a new heart and a new purpose for your kingdom, God, if you if you haven't already done so. Lord, I pray for the forgiveness of our sins, the ones we are aware of or unaware of, the ones we have committed intentionally or unintentionally. 
Lord, you know each and everyone's heart. So I pray for the act of repentance with sincerity. Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name we pray. And all those in agreement say amen. Amen. Today, So today we will be unpacking one of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus Christ. We will need several sessions to get through all of them to actually do it justice. Now, you might be thinking, what are Beatitudes? Beatitudes are the fundamental bold statements intended to establish the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God on earth. I'm going to repeat that one more time for those who didn't get that. The Beatitudes are fundamental bold statements intended to establish the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God on earth. As a reminder, it was on episode 37 that I spoke about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is pretty much the same thing, basically, to be honest. And in that episode, I said that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has not come, and yet it has come, and yet it's still to come. Let me repeat that. The kingdom of God has not come, and yet it has come, and it is still to come. I've also brought it up in recent episodes as well. The Beatitudes are examples of how it has come. If you didn't catch that, I'll say it again. The Beatitudes are examples of how it has come. And that's because Jesus brought the government of God to us. It was Jesus who said in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17 verse 21 that the kingdom of God is in your midst. Which really means that it was present because Jesus himself was there among them and brought the change the world needed to learn from and see. Remember, the kingdom of God is a way of thinking, moving, and operating. So Jesus brought the government to us so that our mentality to create a change in how we saw the world and our purposes in the society as believers. It was Paul in the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17 that said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to repeat that one more time. In the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17, Paul said that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit, which is everything Jesus brought and more. That's something that I'm adding. Jesus brought that. And he even brought more. Okay. The reason why Jesus spoke about the Beatitudes first in his sermon was to bring true peace and freedom to those who are willing to follow him. And understand that he who chose them, that they will be disciples of his. Now, now that we've built a solid foundation and understand what the Beatitudes are for. Let's actually get right into the text. We're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 only. And we're going to unpack this in the English Standard Version. Daniel? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Of heaven. So the best approach here, great job, Daniel, is to actually spend time on verse 3 because there's a lot to understand and unpack. And that is what we're going to do here on the truth of the matter is we like to look at things in a deep 
way. So let's begin. Daniel, when you may you reread verse three for us once again before we get started. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Great job. So the question that I ask is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Why will we, why are we going to be blessed? And why is being poor in spirit lead to the kingdom of heaven? I'm going to repeat these questions again. These are the questions that I asked myself when I looked at this one verse in the Beatitudes. And for him to start with this verse was very interesting. So the questions that I asked myself is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Why will we be blessed? And why is being poor in spirit lead to the kingdom of heaven? So upon looking at this from a philosophical perspective, as well as a, a reality standpoint, and obviously from a biblical lens, there is something we must come to understand, and that is there are two realms of existence, the spiritual realm and the, and the material world. Now, we are currently in the material world, which is all things that are matter, nature, the phenomena of physical, right? And that's basic understanding. Now, we know that there is a spiritual world from different sources of information that we've heard, right? Whether it's through cultural exposure, religious doctrines that we've either been taught or learned about. And personal testimonies, which we will get to. Don't worry about that. We're going to touch on that. However, let's cover what matters, at least on this podcast, and what we believe, right? And that's God's word. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, again in the English Standard Versions for starters. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Great job, Daniel. So this is a deep verse when you think about it, and here's why. So with assistance of Timothy, Paul said basically we are children of God. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should seek direction and counsel from God. We do that by reading his word and following after the example that Jesus set. So when Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me, in the Gospel of John, and provides us with a word, which we haven't gotten to, but I think it's appropriate and apropos to mention it here. We go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. It says, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You can conclude that as sheep of his pastoral care, we should be obedient. Jesus said, as sheep, we should know his voice. And if in fact we do, then comes our obedience soon after. When you think about Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which I just mentioned, along with Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, which Daniel read, Jesus was directing us to think of spiritual things. You see, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not a worldly kingdom or even concept. Right now, we know that the tabernacle that was built by Solomon on earth was to resemble the tabernacle that's in heaven. Right. 
Jesus also said, you know, to bless things that are in heaven as they are on earth, right? So there's a resemblance that whatever you do in heaven, also make sure that it's done on earth. However, again, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not a worldly concept. And it's not a worldly kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom and also a spiritual government. It's God's government. It's his reign, rule, and authority in heaven that comes to earth. And Jesus decided to share that with us by making it a part of our thought process as residents in this world that we are currently in. Let me repeat that. Jesus decided to share it with us. And what he's sharing is God's government, that his reign and authority that is on heaven has come to earth because Jesus brought it here. And he's brought it here to change our thought processes as residents in this world that we are currently in and to bring the same mentality. That's what Jesus did. The reason why poor in spirit leads to the kingdom of heaven or God is because when you decide to be in total reliance and dependent on God's reign and authority, then this morale can change things in how you see the world. If you're really careful and studying and growing and maturing, we learn that through the Gospels, which is what we did in the Gospel of Luke and what we're doing in the Gospel of Matthew, is that Jesus left a blueprint by telling us how to live life God's way, the kingdom way. When we go even deeper into Colossians chapter 3, figuratively you'll learn that seeking that which is above is to acknowledge God because he is above all. The truth of the matter is God's ways are higher than our own, and therefore he knows best for you and I. Plus, Jesus comes from above. He actually mentioned it in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 23. And this is what he said. Where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Great job, Daniel. So in the Gospel of John, you can see that Jesus speaks of two different worlds. Heaven, which is where he comes from, and earth which he was born into as a child for our benefit. Two realms, of, the two realms of existence is what Jesus shares with us. He makes it a reality and something that we should consider and not ignore. Now, I know it sounds basic, but when our focus is on Christ, he will allow our maneuverability in life to be kingdom-driven, which as a result, based on Matthew 6.33, will bring about blessings. Now, let's address one of the questions that I asked in regards to verse 3 of Matthew, chapter 5. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? And I had to think about this for a while. The question again was, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? So, be, so to be spiritually poor is to be in total reliance and dependent on God, which in return will make us blessed. When you think about this, right, what makes a person poor is their lack of sufficient funds to live life. With no funds, the person is practically in a situation where they are in poverty, right? 
That's the basic concept. Do you have another concept, Daniel, about what it is to be poor? Interestingly enough, when I hear that, I think of why would you put it, poor is such a, a negative connotation, right? Or has mm-hmm. a negative stigma to it. Is that so I don't really have another, okay. I don't really have another way to add to it. It mm-hmm. just made me kind of question it. Like, why would you, yes, you need reliance, but it's it's just such a negative way to put it. That's oh, why do I put to be spiritually before? To be spiritually poor is to be in total reliance and dependence dependent on God. Why do I put it that way? Yeah, I don't think you put it that way. I think it's more of how the Bible put it, but yeah. Oh, no, I put it that way, but we'll kind of get to that in a second. This is like a whole breakdown, and I guess at the end of it, if you agree, maybe we're here why you agree, or if you disagree, maybe we're here why you disagree. I kind of yeah. wanted to hear what your thoughts were in regards to the basic definition of what a poor person is. I thought you might have something else you would want to share in regards to that. No, that's just okay. that's just my thoughts currently. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll repeat that point. What makes a person poor is their lack of sufficient funds to live their life. And with no funds, that person is living in poverty. Now, what makes a person spiritually poor is to choose not to explore the spiritual realm for selfish gain and exposure. Let me repeat that. What makes a person spiritually poor is their decision to choose not to explore the spiritual realm for selfish gain and exposure. So let's be honest. In the last five to ten years, there has been this urgency to tap into spirituality. There has been a high rejection of religion which people classify as rules and regulations and a desire to control us right and it seems that what people tend to gravitate toward is the experience of god right through supernatural being through super supernatural separation from any sort of structure okay that's what people tend to have gravitated towards this desire to experience God supernaturally and to separate that from any sort of structure. The truth of the matter is people all around the world are looking for spiritual experiences in whatever capacity they can find them. We are in a time period where people are exploring spiritual realities more than getting to know God through his word. Of course, some people view the Bible as this controlling concept in which they feel that the Bible was man-made, that the Bible was not godly inspired, that the Bible has been tampered with, that the Bible and its translations are not accurate, etc., etc. Of course, I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and that the that God and His Word are one, and that God partnered with man to have all these books that were written by people's testimonies that actually walked with God, experienced God, and this is God's testimony. So I believe that God's word has been put here with the okay from God in order for us to better understand who he is because the Bible is God's story, okay? Now, part of being spiritually poor is putting your faith in Jesus Christ only. 
allow him to be your anchor, your guide, your counsel. And as he put it in John 14, 6, the only way to truth in your life. The problem is in some cases, it won't be supernatural. Now, I've mentioned that the Bible is full of patterns, principles, and precepts. And it's not based upon the knowledge that it can be practical at times. And therefore, spiritualistic aspects simmer down. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is that if the Bible is full of patterns, principles, and precepts, that means everything that comes from the Bible isn't always spiritual. There are very practical things at times that are easy to follow. I'll give you an example. Tithing is an example. Something super spiritual about that. Now, there can be elements in which God can bless you, but there are people that understand the principle of tithing or giving. And based, based upon the rule of thumb, if you sow, if you reap yourself, or if you sow, you will reap some sort of benefit. There are people that aren't Christian that follow this principle. And unfortunately, they are blessed because they understand that some things are just principle based. Not everything is a spiritual reaction that you're going to get. Hebrews 11. Chapter one is very clear when it says this, Daniel. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Great job. If we continue in the same chapter where we go to verse 3, it also says that. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So our ability to being totally reliant and dependent on Christ allows us to be poor when it comes to many different spiritual realities that are deemed dangerous. So when people decide not to be poor in spiritual realities and want to search out the spiritual realm on their own, that's when people find themselves, according to God, in potential trouble. So the question becomes, in doing this, who needs faith? Who needs faith when I can go tap into spiritual realms and realities and forces on my own when I need it and when I want it on my own, on my own terms? Why put faith in God, trusting and believing that he knows what's best for me, he's there for me, when I can tap into potentially some of these spiritual forces that can become a blessing for me in the moment that I need it, at the time that I need it? You see, having faith in Christ also in God is letting him work things out for your benefit. Even when things don't look right on your end, just trusting in God allows the trials and the challenges, the ups and the downs in life to be all the more sweeter when you come out better than how you started. To appreciate the obstacles, to go through and knowing that God was with you every step of the way is part of the journey. When everything is handed to you, how can you say you can persevere? How can you see the hand of God in your life with no Goliath in your path? And you're struggling to see or walk down this path of success and failure. 
Where is your evidence or proof that you overcame? When some people need encouragement, how can you speak to that person's spirit and say, you will make it through it. God will see you do this. God is there. There's no personal experience in your walk with God. The problem is there isn't a sound book on spiritual reality. Now, the Bible mentions it, and we're going to get into some of these in a second. The Bible protects you and guides you into truth based on credible sources, at least those who have proclaimed that they walk with God. There's texts that claim that they wrestled with God, that they spoke with God, that they even heard an audible, ver- audible voice from God. When it comes to spiritual realities, people tend to gravitate to it based upon feeling. How they feel is their compass. Unfortunately, this is where people and their personal experiences only become their source of belief. With cultural exposure these days, you can really have no limitation. There's the validation of personal testimonies from some who share and run in the same experiences and operate within the same circles. Some may consider this misguided and view it as fallacy. Now, that could be through the use of drugs, plant-based medicines like antiasha, ritualistic practices. There are people that have a fascination with crystals regarding them to possess mystical powers that can be utilized for healing purposes. Some believe that crystals can also stimulate spiritual growth and bring about a positive transformation in one's life. Some people believe that they themselves are energy sources and that we all have the same potential to activate these things and therefore that allows us to be on par or to be like Christ. So there are elements of this in New Age that speaks to the fact that Jesus is a source of energy. We are that same source of energy and it all comes from one source who is God. When you hear some of these things, the people that tap into these realities, they are no longer poor in spirit. And now does that mean they aren't blessed? In fact, some demonic forces are deceptive. If you go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse verse 14, we can look at this in the Amplified Version. It's clear and it says this. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, but their end will correspond with their deeds. We go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, we read verses 9 through 12. It says this also. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancy, or one who inquires of the dead. 
For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So just in case you say, hey, Jonathan, this is Old Testament, man. How about let's look at some New Testament stuff. Let's go to the let's go to the book of Acts. And I'm, I'm not sure if any of you have read the book of Acts. I know Daniel has. And let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 16 through 21 in the Amplified version. It happened that as we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. That is a demonic spirit claiming to foretell the fortune and discovering hidden knowledge. And she brought her owners a good profit by fortune teller. She followed after Paul and us and kept screaming and shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for several days. Then Paul, being greatly annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit inside her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ as his representative to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her owner saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace where trials were held. And when they brought them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men who are Jews are throwing our city into confusion and causing trouble. They are publicly teaching customs which are unlawful for us as Romans to accept or observe. Great job. So this this specific or specific passage really speaks to how in some cases when you look at the cultural impact that a society might have is they view this custom as regularity, right? Jesus, Paul at the time is carrying the truth and therefore he got rid of this concept and therefore it tampered with their fun. And unfortunately, they then, according to their custom, viewed what Paul did as a concern and something that needed to be dealt with. But as you can see right away, when you look at some of these acts that people perform, I'm not going to say that there's no success in it. Heck, there's a passage in the Old Testament where Saul confronts a medium about what his future holds. Right? And because of these spiritual entities, they have some truths to it. But it's not the whole truth. In fact, it's a... It's sort of like this concept my dad said. That sometimes when you drink something, there's something that is authentic. And there's something that is not authentic and only the true people can figure it out. And sometimes when you look at a person that looks at jewels or a person that looks at diamonds, you have to get someone to view it and determine whether or not it's authentic or whether it's fake. And when you're dealing with Satan, he has this way, as Daniel mentioned, when you read the, the passage in Corinthians of giving you a glimpse of a portion of truth but not telling you the full truth. And therefore, that's where deception can come in. And that's where we have to be on guard. A worthy mention in the book of Acts chapter 19, there was a silversmith by the name of Demetrius who made a silver shrine for Aramaris. He brought in a lot of businesses. He actually brought a lot of money for a lot of businesses as a craftsman. And when Paul showed up, he messed with that money again. 
making the businesses get upset because what Paul did was in his conversation with Dimitri, he no longer made these statues or these shrines. And as a result, they lost money because that's, that's exactly what Dimitri did. He made idolatry for people to worship and praise and honor, which in fact can be very dangerous and can have a large effect on thousands and thousands of people when given that. And there's so many different texts in terms of idol worship. Abraham came out of a idolatrous society, right? So these are things that have been going on for a long time. So even though they've transpired in our life, they also have been there before we ever lived. This has been a constant battle. This isn't new. Like I would say Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. So we're going to look at one more text. We're going to go to the book of Acts. We're actually going to stay in the book of Acts. These are all in the book of Acts. So in your own personal time, if you're interested, you want to look at these texts in a much more deeper and profound way, you can. So we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 9 through 24 in the English Standard Version. Daniel? Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritan had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right here before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord and hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So this, this is very interesting. I, I thought I had something to say, but it's very well put. As you can see, just like people who go and get their palms read, there's a reward after. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's about the heart. It's what God looks at, the transformation of the heart. Because once the heart changes, then does everything else. So when you repent and you ask for forgiveness, there also has to be a desire to change. There's a beautiful passage in Galatians, but I'm not going to read you the whole text. I'll just mention one thing. And this is based on a conversation that I had with somebody. And the question that they asked me was, how do I... How does God know that I'm sincere and seeking after him? And I said, well, in the book of Galatians, at the top of chapter 6, 
it says God will not be mocked. This means God is not stupid. Right? There was a passage that me and Daniel talked about when God doesn't look at outward appearances. He looks at the heart. So when it says that if you believe in your heart and confess out of your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. That is based upon your contriteness to how seriously you are about wanting and getting to know God. So obviously, in this instance, what I see that is going on here is that I see that Simon had a particular reason to wanting the gift. And obviously, it wasn't of pure in heart. It was based upon wanting money and it was based upon what he's been doing for a long time. As the text mentions, he's been doing wondrous things and performing miracles, right, for the people. And he loved the praise and the admonition. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. So here's what I'll say. The only spirit we should be getting to know is the Holy Spirit, which is God and comes from Jesus Christ. He is our helper. All things are possible through him. So the next question to answer is how will we be blessed? Let's take a look at the Gospel of John, chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15 in the English Standard Version for support. When he comes, he will convict the word concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into telling all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So having access to the Holy Spirit requires us to be committed to doing things God's way and not our own way. If we believe that and hold to that truth, we will be blessed in our connection with God. And I'll say this, right? Having the Holy Spirit is important because it stirs up your desire to seek God. The problem is when you start doing things in sin, then the Holy Spirit gets silent. And what that is called, at least in the Bible, and the reason why God, the Holy Spirit gets silent, is because what you're doing is your actions that are supposed to be a resemblance of showing yourself to be one who is truly saved and turned away and changed, it's not showing up in the best way possible for others to see. So you're grieving the Holy Spirit. That's what that's called. You're grieving it. And obviously, it takes time. Again, God knows the heart. He knows your actions and your, and your attempt to live things his way. That's, way. that's the reason why he's not saying it is a timetable. But as the book of Hebrews says, we can't keep getting caught up in the elementary ways of thinking, which means that Paul says, when I was a child, thought as a child, understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away, which means some of the things that you stumbled across, some of the things that you have problems with, eventually 
you are being called to overcome them. And that's what we do as Christians. And if you aren't doing that, if you aren't warned against your flesh, then guess what? You're continuing to fall into the same trap of giving the devil an opportunity to seep in and to catch you tripping and making mistakes on the same thing. That's why you have to make a plan of action to avoid some of the things that are causing you to stumble. Now, there's a beautiful passage in Galatians that Paul talks about when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. And when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we can expect a better reality. Let's actually go to the book of Galatians and look at chapter 2, verse 20. And this is what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's through our connection with Jesus that the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus Christ, gets to live inside of me and do great works. So as Christians, we live for God through Christ. And with Jesus as our Savior, we are ready to do good works for the kingdom while being transformed as new creatures because of Jesus Christ. It was also Paul who said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 in the English Standard Version. And this is what people who don't have the Holy Spirit and are looking from the outside in. And this is what it says, Daniel. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This is a very interesting passage because this shows the separation between those who are spiritually filled and those who aren't. The things that Jesus speaks about can become confusing to some, right? There's a conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus about being born again. And Nicodemus interprets that as being a child or as a person going back to your mother's womb. And that's a literal sense, right? That's a worldly understanding of it. But Jesus is speaking spiritual, right? So there's a, there's a distinction between those two things, right? Jesus says that with the spirit, you hear it sound, you hear it come, you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from, right? That's the description of what the spirit is, right? And he's describing that to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, who is considered an expert in the law, is not able to understand that because he's viewing these things through the natural mind, not through spiritual realities. Very important stuff here. So, this is what I'll say. If we remain obedient, we will see that God's way is much more beneficial and effective. If we submit ourselves to God and keep our allegiance and our focus on him, he will bless us. Remember, our desires and our needs will be met according to his will for us and not our own. That's key. We must understand that, okay? Let's look at Gospel Luke chapter 12 when we're revisiting Luke. And let's look at verses 22 to 24. And this kind of backs up this whole understanding of God being able to deliver on what we need. Damn. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, which you will eat or about your body, which you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. 
yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Paul also speaks of an ascension and a descension in the book of Ephesians. This also supports my statement earlier about Jesus coming from above and arriving below to help us here on earth in regards to our salvation and our fight against sin. So, this is what Jesus provides us and we can view this as a blessing to the church as a whole as well. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 where let's read verses 8 through 13, Daniel. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Great job, Daniel. Being spiritually poor allows God to bless us. Being poor in spirit allows us to pursue the kingdom of God. Jesus says, blessed are those who hear my words and do what it says. Being in his word and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ changes things. If that is something you would like, then don't be afraid to be poor in spirit and be in total reliance and dependent on God. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the only spirit you should be seeking after and listening because it comes from God. Keep this also in mind. We no longer praise God because he is with us, Emmanuel. But God is within us. But we praise God because that's where he is. He's within us. So understand, he is no longer with us but he is with us because of the Holy Spirit. Now that I've shared this, do you agree, Daniel? Hmm. Do I agree? Honestly, I still need a little bit more time to digest it. I don't quite have an opinion for it. Okay. I think it would be best reserve maybe for the beginning of next next week's podcast okay so maybe that might be how we started whether you, you agree with what i'm saying or not i came to this conclusion and understanding that when it comes to spiritual realities there are a lot of different things that's why i kind of shared the different things whether it's through drugs whether it's through earthly medications whether it's through different religious exposure and because of that there can be a lot of dangers in operating or trying it, right? I didn't mention yoga, but there's yoga practices. I didn't mention Hinduism, but there's Hindu stuff that goes on. And a lot of those things, human beings, for the most part, are ignorant of it. The question is, how did they become knowledgeable of it? There's no way they became knowledgeable of it to themselves. When we think about this desire to meditate, right? There are a lot of things that are going on in meditation that there is no booklet to that. There is no understanding of that. And some human beings 
go in that and that's why you have spiritual guides and you have all these different things but we don't know how well they know these things or even tamper with there's a lot of question marks when it comes to that and according to god it's very dangerous and that's the reason why if you have this desire to search these things there are some cases where the person that does that you don't know the condition of who that person is we don't know to the extent or the dangers or the damage that it can be done so that's the reason why at least for me you know the concept of playing with a ouija board the concept of relying on terry cards or tarot cards or whatever it is those are some of the dangerous things that we don't have knowledge of and that's the reason why not doing that but trusting and just operating in faith that's what god asks us to do the bible itself makes us aware of the spiritual realm makes us aware of the spiritual forces that we have to deal with on a daily basis right the best passage that talks about that is when it brings up the armor of god but it says we don't battle against flesh and blood but against spiritual forces and hot in the heavenly places there are a lot of different things in that realm when we you start tapping into that that you don't have knowledge of and i believe having god's word instruct us and warn us and tell us about it at least it's half the battle and half of what we need to know and be aware of so that when we see things that are transpiring in society now happening in front of us we are ignorant of it but that we have a decent awareness of what's happening why it's happening beautiful thing about being saved is that we declare jesus as lord over our lives and therefore we are protected and shielded from things that doesn't mean we can't be influenced by spiritual forces but what it does mean is that the guidance and direction and the protection that we have with christ is by reading his word daily it makes us aware and now we're able to act on it educationally and do the right thing at least in regards of being shielded and protected under god and warning some people who potentially do so we can obviously get into that but like you said sometimes something like this has to be shared and that's why i think it's very interesting to explore this one verse that jesus mentioned and to be poor in spirit means to be blessed and that means searching the kingdom of god so with that being said is there anything you want to rebuttal of that we can go right into devotional time no we'll we can uh go right into devotion okay we'll pick this up next not next week we got obviously this message in regards to what the theme is going to be for the year but we will revisit this after you've considered some of the things that i've shared today in the new year so devotional time it is growth in any relationship is the improvement in how you see that person the faith you have placed in that person the trust you now have with them and the ability to confine in them without giving a thought it's hard to say that you may find many relationships that resemble that but what makes God different from human beings is that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change like shifting shadows because he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's okay to have total reliance and dependence on God because of that reason. With God, you can cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
and that's out of Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 where it says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God so I will close this out with a small prayer that hopefully will help you throughout the week Lord help me find the confidence not to lean on my own understanding but that be dependent on you encourage me in your word so that I place my concerns on you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And all in agreement, say, Amen. Amen.